mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now let's go back, give me 26 once more, and then we'll pray. We'll, we'll spend most of our time here. In the same way, the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, also what? Helps our weakness. The Spirit of God helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should. What an indictment, but true. Nobody said amen to that. Let me, let me make it personal. You don't know how to pray like you should. Amen. But he helps our weakness. And the Spirit himself intercedes for us. And then he tells us how. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you this morning for your word. I ask and pray, Lord, that you would grant me clarity of mind, precision of speech, and give these your people an ear to hear, a heart to receive, and the grace to apply. Lord, as we sit at your feet, I pray that you would feed us the bread of heaven until we want no more. Lord, that your people today would be edified and that your name would be glorified. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. As I was considering uh, the theology of weakness, in like, in, like in all things that God does with the church, he is faithful to keep us center and balanced. Lest we fall into despair and apathy, which is easy. The theology of weakness, an, an improper or an unbalanced uh, theology of weakness is going to, will easily take you to a place of apathy. And not just apathy, uh, it takes us to a place where we're, we are likely or we are prone to say, uh, I can't do anything, I am without help, and this is who I am. And then, if we're not careful, it'll lead us into believing that God is pleased with a lifestyle of sin or that he condones poor Christian testimony because of our present weakness. And so, while being made mindful of the theology of weakness and how God is drawn to us in weakness, we must not lose sight of this all-important truth, that God has not left us without help. And let me say more specifically, God has not left us without the helper. Are you in the house this morning? Weak we are. Weak you are. And if you say no, then you've missed the entire purpose of God And for the last three weeks. You are weak. You have weakness and you need him. Every day are your weaknesses mine? They might not be. But your need for him, if you are not cognizant and aware of your need for him, then you are missing. So in our weakness, he meets us. And... The, 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 the intent of God this morning is to really show us how he meets us and by really who meets us. Watch what Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, everybody shout the same way. In the same way, the Spirit or the Holy Spirit also helps our weakness. Everybody shout weakness. And in this case, he focuses on our inability to pray properly. It says, for we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. There's an interesting portion of Scripture in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 22, where Jesus says the following, clause A of the text only. If you look at clause A, it says, But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye 
ask. This is a reoccurring issue with the disciples. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking for. In Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 12, the word of God says the following. It says, for who knows what is good for a man during his lifetime? Who knows what's good for him during the few years of his futile life? Consider what the word of God says. In other words, you, in other words, you don't even know what's good for you. You don't know how to pray. You don't even know what you're asking him for. Jesus himself said, you don't even know what you're asking for. Ecclesiastes says, what, does a man even know what, 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 what the point of his life is? He doesn't even know himself. And so I say that to say, and I can use many of the scriptures, but I, I say that to say this. Understand the following. This, this is what I'm trying to convey to you before we break down the text. Number one, we are not competent judges of our own condition. <laughs> you can't properly gauge your, your condition because you're going to be naturally biased. Uh, put it to me another way. Okay, you think you're you think you're okayish. <laughs> we don't want to be. It's too, eight o'clock's too early for this kind of honesty, right? You're like, man, it's early, man. It's like I come to the eight o'clock and it's like, psh, psh, there you go, go home now. You slap me on both sides and you send me to IHOP. That's what you do to me. You're not a competent judge. Let me talk about myself. You feel better that way. I'm not a competent judge. I'm not. I can't. I can't gauge. Fairly, my, 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 the, the truth of my weakness, it's hard. In fact, it's a rare sign of maturity when you're able to say, man, wo woe am I, woe am I, I am a wretch, a man of unclean lips. But, but notice how Paul, the, the apostle that was ever mindful of his weakness, notice how he was able to say what other apostles didn't say. Paul was able to say, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Notice how Paul was able to say that. Why, why can't you? Notice how Paul was able to say, Man, I, 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 at one point he's saying, I, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than everybody. But on the other side he's saying, Man, I'm the chief sinner, number one sinner right here. You see, there's, there's that balance that the Spirit of God produces in us. An awareness of our necessity for God. And at the same time, at the same time, a complete and utter dependence upon the Spirit of God. That's his goal. That's his design. But why did he send us the spirit of God? Well, one reason is because he knows that we're not competent judges of our own condition. People think they're good. People ultimately think they're okay-ish. You find people who don't know Jesus and you talk to them about the gospel, and ultimately they think that they're not a bad person. And one of the most common things that they're going to say is, I'm not a bad person. I've never killed anybody. I pay my taxes. Yeah, I don't go to church, but I mean, I'm not a bad person. And they think that they're going into heaven because they're not a bad person. But based upon whose standard? You see, based on their own standard, they think they're okay because they're comparing themselves with you or they're comparing themselves to society standard. But in light of the word of God, we, are, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the, that's the issue about the gospel. The gospel levels the playing field and points all men to Jesus, saying he is your savior, he paid for your sin, and without him, you can't get to the Father. So understand that. You're not a competent judge of your own condition. Right now, some of you think you're, you're good, you think you're okay, and you are not. You need him. In fact, the Bible says, thank you, Holy Spirit. The Bible says, let not a man think he stand lest he fall. In other words, it's when you think you're good that you are seriously and severely not good. You see how that works? Let not a man think he stands lest he fall. In other words, a better translation says, when a man thinks he's standing, he's about to fall. When a man thinks he's standing on his own, he's about to fall. And, and, and so you know that the Bible also says that pride comes before the fall. Pride, in essence, manifests itself in this form. I don't need the help of the Holy Spirit of God. I got this on my own. 
And so it's not the design of God that you and I operate with that mentality because you're going to trip and fall. Now, he will allow you to do so until you get to the place where you are at your end, where his power then can work through you and in you. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Number two, we are short-sighted. It's already up there. We're short-sighted. We're biased in favor of our own flesh. But lastly, and this is what I want you to take in your heart, weakness does not mean helpless. The fact that we are weak does not mean that we are without help. Somebody shout, we have help. <laughs> Somebody nudge your neighbor if you got a neighbor and say, neighbor, just because you're weak doesn't mean you don't have help. Weakness does not mean that we are helpless. We're not helpless. Now, how many would be honest enough to say, Pastor, I'm prone to wander off. I'm prone to wander in my heart. All three of you, praise the Lord for you. There's a song that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Take my heart, Lord, come and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. We're prone to wander. So Jesus knows that. Watch what he says in John 14 then. Jesus knew that we would need help. You see, we need help. He knew it. So watch what he said in John 14, verse 16. It says, he said, I will ask the Father. Can we read this together? Ready, read. I will ask the Father and... Watch what Jesus said. I will ask the Father and he will what? He is going to give you another helper. He's going to give you a helper. We need a helper. Now watch what John 16 verse 7 says. Ready? It's just going to be up there on the screen. Ready? Read. But I tell you the truth. Uh-huh. But if I go... And how many can say amen to that? My God, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Now, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the truth is telling the truth. I'm sorry, I get a kick out of that. You, you don't laugh at Bible jokes. I think that's hilarious. When Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the truth is literally telling you the truth. He says, watch this now. And then especially when King James, when he says, verily, verily, watch it. He says, but I tell you the truth. It's to your what? It is to your advantage. Somebody says, to my advantage. It's to your advantage that I what? That I go. Now think of this. The son of the living God, the Messiah, the word of God in the flesh is saying, it's to your advantage that I go from you. What? When is it ever to your advantage that Jesus go away? He wouldn't say that it was for our own good that he go away unless he knew that the helper was going to be what we needed in its entirety. Are you following me here? He says, it's better for you that I go away. Because if I do not go away, what? The, or who? The helper. Somebody shout, the helper. The helper will not come to you. A better translation, it should have said, the helper cannot come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, go back to our text in Romans 8. Now that we understand that it, it, that it is the will of Jesus that he send help because we need help, that he will ask the Father to send the helper. We know in John 16 he says, it's better for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit won't come to you, but I'm going to send him to you. Now, watch what Paul says in Romans 8, verse 26. We're going to break down now. We're going to notice a few things here. Uh, in the beginning of the text, it says, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. In the text, then we observe, and, and please forgive me for offending your theological uh, 
acumen, please forgive me if it's, if it's too simple for, for you, but understand uh, and observe, number one, that the Holy Spirit, put it up there, the Holy Spirit helps. He helps. Jesus called him the helper. That's deep, right? Notice, the Spirit helps. What? Our infirmities, our weaknesses. We can't overlook this because do you not know that in, the, in, in not only in theological circles, but in Pentecostal circles, if you ask people, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, he gives me goosebumps when I'm in church. He causes my feet to dance. He causes me to run, shout, and to have a good old time in the Lord. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Mm -mm, I love the Holy Ghost of God. And you ask them, tell me what he does. And they can't define. They cannot articulate to you scripturally what the Spirit of God does who the Spirit of God is. Not only is He God, not only is He the third person of the triune Godhead, but He is called the Helper. I wish you would wake up today. He is called the Helper, and He's called the Helper because He knows that you and I need help. Jesus knew that you and I would need help. And anybody that believes that they can make it without the help of the Helper, not only are they deceived, but they go without a power that is far greater than their own. You need, I need, we need the help of the Holy Spirit of God. The text tells us the Holy Spirit helps. Now put, put, the, put the text up there and put the, put the definition. The word help in Greek is a really long word. Do not hurt yourself trying to say it. I saw you trying. Trying to sound like... <laughs> Sounds like you're speaking in tongues already. The word help there means to lay hold along with. Now, for all of the spiritually complacent people, this is going to bother you, but that's okay. It says, it, to help means to lay hold of along with. It means to take hold with another. It means to cooperate. Now, I, I said it that way on purpose because the word cooperate, it's a compound word, but in, in, in its truest form, it means to cooperate. To cooperate, to have somebody's cooperation means that they come and cooperate. In other words, they work with you. Are you following me? And so the Holy Spirit cooperates. In other words, he doesn't do everything for you. He works with you. I, I knew you weren't going to be happy about it because you want him to carry you by your knickerbockers. You want him to do it all, but he cooperates. In other words, he comes alongside of you. No, he's not going to cut your meat for you, but he will put his hand. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. He will put his hand over your hand and he will teach you how to. Lord, well, you know I'm weak. Theology of weakness. You know I don't have the strength, so I need you to delete her number for me. Wrong. Well, Lord, you know I struggle with lying, so I'm going to need you just to put tape over my mouth. Wrong. What he'll do is he will empower you, he'll give you grace, and he'll give you wisdom. But he cooperates. In other words, he will help you, but he's not going to do it for you. I wish you would wake up in this house today. In other words, he not only works in us, but he works 
with us. This is sound theology as it pertains to the work of the Holy Spirit. He not only works in you, he works with you. Somebody say the Holy Spirit of God. Come on, you need to say, say the Holy Spirit of God works with me. You see, do you know how many Pentecostals are like, no, 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 it's him, it's all him, it's all him, because it sounds good, but, it, but, but it's, not, it's not scripturally accurate. The helper comes to cooperate with. He comes alongside, he takes your hand, he helps you. He doesn't do it for you, he anoints you to carry out a task. Uh, are you hearing me? <laughs> and so people who... Who say, well, God, I'm weak, so I, I'm in adultery, so I'm just going to need you to just, hey, do a miracle. Mm. He's going to capacitate you. He's going to empower you to do what you need to do. Are you following this train of thought? So the Holy Spirit helps. He works not only in us, he works with us. Now, let's, 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 let's enlarge this thought then. The Holy Spirit helps us, but he also helps our weakness. Put, up, put it up there. The Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. Now, give me the definition, and this is what I'm going to really spend the rest of our time with. The word weaknesses uh, speaks, first of all, of the body. Now, in, in Greek, I'm giving you the Greek definition of the word weakness. The word weakness speaks of two things, of the body, and when it speaks of the body, it speaks of native weakness, or a weakness that is natural to us. You're born that way. Uh, we are frail. I talked about that last week or the week before. We're frail. We're feeble. Our bodies get sick. How many have been sick recently? Raise your hand if you've been sick recently. Don't, don't lie. How many have had to buy prescription drugs lately? Or, right? Okay. How, how many have woken up with the pain that you didn't have before? <laughs> how many today had snack crackle, crackle and pop going on when you got out of bed today? Thank you, Sister Susan. God bless your heart. I remember Elder Brown telling me, Pastor, just wait till you turn 40, boy. When you get out of bed, it's gonna be, there's going to be some stuff snapping, cracking, popping. You're going to be like, whoa, what was that? Uh, you, you, you start to get older and getting out of bed becomes a three-step process. Before you just hop out, you bounce out of that thing. And now it's like one leg, two leg. <laughs> now, not all of us are that way, but you get the idea. Age is undefeated. But it speaks about that kind of weakness, that, 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 that frailty. We're, we're, we're prone to get sick. We get sick. You get, you get germs. You don't wash your hands. We're, it happens. Uh, Frederick Casey Price is a word of faith teacher. His wife, his wife got cancer. And watch this now. And for a long time, they went as long as they could without telling the people that she was sick because it went against their, theo their theology. Well, his own wife got sick with cancer, deathly ill. These things happen. They happen. Because our, our, our bodies, they're not meant to, they're not built that way. We're, we're susceptible. We're, we're prone to those things. But secondly, it speaks of weakness of the soul. And this is where I really want to emphasize. This is what I want to emphasize this morning. Weakness of the soul, there's a lengthy definition here uh, in the Greek. The understanding is lengthy. And, and, and I pray that, as, that it will minister to you as it ministered to me. The Holy Spirit of God helps our weakness. Everybody shout weakness. He helps our weakness of soul. And when we're dealing with the weakness of soul, we're dealing with, watch this now, the lack of strength to do the following. Number one, the Spirit of God comes, Paul says, and he helps our weaknesses. 
in our soul there are weaknesses. And the first definition that we find in Greek when it, as it pertains to weakness of the soul is the lack of strength to, number one, to understand a thing. Now, I need you to, I need you to testify that you've been here before. There are times that you're weak or, or unable. You don't have the strength to understand a thing. Now, I'm going to give you Bible here. Consider what Psalms 119 verse 130 says in NASB. Ready? Read. It says, the unfolding of your words give what? It gives light and it gives what? Understanding to who? To the simple. And I, and I don't know if you want to wave your hand at that, but I'll, I'll wave mine. The, the, your word, the unfolding of your word, it gives light. And not only does it give light, but it gives understanding to who? To me, I'm the simple. I know you're deep and you're a wandering Zion, but I'm simple. I, I need that understanding from his word. I need that help of the Holy Ghost. When I have weakness in my soul, I don't have the strength to understand the thing. And he comes and through his word, watch this now, the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that he will lead you and guide you into all truth. Somebody shout truth. And so when you don't understand a thing, God is faithful to send the Holy Spirit to come and give you understanding to something that you did not understand prior and let me encourage somebody here this morning if you've never been in, your, in a place in your walk with God that you didn't understand why in the world something was happening give it time something's going to come your way that you are going to need the Holy Spirit of God to come and give you strength to do what to understand the thing say Lord I need you to give me understanding and even if he doesn't give you understanding, he'll at least give you peace in your soul to know that I don't have to understand everything in order to trust him. You see, you don't want, we don't want to admit it, but part of weakness of soul is an inability to understand the thing. I can't always understand why certain things happen to me. I, I don't agree with why certain things happen to me. And so you've bound the devil, you've taken authority over every unclean spirit, and you're still going through hell and high water, and you don't understand. But behind the scenes, yes, behind the scenes, the sovereign Lord of all creation has his hand over your life. He has not allowed anything to come your way without his permission, and even even if the enemy is to afflict you in your body, hello, Job, he will always say you can only come this far. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that when I'm weak in soul and can't understand a thing, he sends the Holy Spirit of God to give me strength in that area of weakness. When I don't understand, he comes alongside. He illuminates the text like only he can. And the entrance of his word brings light. And not only light, but it gives me understanding. Secondly, that's only the beginning. When Paul speaks about weakness of the soul, secondly, the definition, it speaks of a lack of strength to do things great and glorious. He said the Spirit helps my weakness when I don't have strength to do things great, when I don't have strength to do anything glorious. Now watch what John 14 verse 12 says. I love the Word of God. Watch what it says. Are you in the house? Shout hallelujah. Oh, that's good. We have a lot of y'all still. Ready? John 14, 12. Watch what the word says. Ready? Read. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Also, and? Why? You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to suggest anything that's out of context. You know this. When Jesus says, I go to the Father. The context is always what? 
the purpose. Why is he going to the Father? Why did he say it's better for you to go? We've already dealt with this. Why did he say it's better for you that I go away? Because I'm going to what? I'm going to ask the Father to what? To send you. Somebody say the helper. Same context. John 14 is the same context. Watch what he says now. He says, I say to you, the tr- I tell you the truth. Go back to the text now. Thank you, brother. I, I, I know you're trying to help me preach better than I'm preaching right now. But go back to the text. Look, he's trying to help me out. Verse 12, it says, I tell you the truth. He who believes in me, the works that I do, you'll do. But you'll do greater things. And here's why. Because I'm going to send to you the helper. I'm going to send to you the helper. So it's better for you that I go better for you that I go to the Father. That's what he would say a few verses later. You understand why now? So watch this. When we're weak, when we don't have the strength to do anything, forget great and glorious. Let's bring this down to us. Forget great and glorious things. Let's try rudimentary, simple things. Sometimes we don't even have the strength to carry that out. Some of you struggle at work. Oh, help me, Lord. Some of you struggle with your family. Forget great and glorious. You need help loving your neighbor. Why aren't y'all talking to your pastor? You need help loving your, you need help loving people. You struggle with that. You hate everybody. You need help. You can't stand your own children. You need help. Thank you, Brother Luhan. Don't say that too loud. You got your daughter right next to you. (laughs) Forget things great and glorious. We need help. How many can say this morning, Pastor, I need the help of the Holy Spirit of God. Forget great and glorious things, although he will help us to do great and glorious things. Let's begin at home. Picking up our socks, praise the Lord. That's glorious. Not overspending, praise God. That's glorious. Living within our means, that's a great and glorious thing to do. Loving on one another, that's a great and glorious thing to do. Worshiping in spirit and truth, that's a glorious thing to do. That's a great thing to do. And he will help us. Thirdly, watch it. It's a weakness. Paul refers to a weakness. Oh, to restrain corrupt desires. Paul says, the spirit of God helps my weakness, my inability to restrain corrupt desires. He helps. Well, give me Bible. Here it comes. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. you got to love Romans 8. Watch what the Bible says. Can we read it? Can we read it like we believe it? Ready? Read. Uh-huh. Okay. But if what? If by, if, but if, but if by, but if by your church attendance, but if by your tithes and offerings, If by your service at church, if you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit, somebody say by the Spirit. If by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, then you'll what? Then you'll live. Let me me reorganize the verse. How do you put to death the deeds of the flesh? By the Spirit. Now notice he said if, because it's not automatic, because he cooperates. I know you want him to do it for you, but he'll be like, mm, 
No, I'm working with you with this. But the putting to death thing, it requires a sincere dependence and trust and a yielding of your will. You got to die to self and say, not my will in this, yours be done. So he helps. The spirit will empower you to put to death those things, but he works with you. It's not automatic. That's why the word if there is so important in the text. If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you're put into death the deeds of the body, then you will live. So the spirit of God, how many can say a good amen? The spirit of God helps us to restrain those corrupt desires. How many have ever encountered the spirit of God come and help you to say no to things that were corrupt? How many have experienced the spirit? How many have ever had the spirit of God visit you when you were about to do something you weren't supposed to do? No, no, oh, nobody. Thank you, brother. D. I see your hand. Do you remember what it was like when the Spirit of God said, don't touch that? And you're like, mm, mm, I want it. Don't you say that. Don't you watch that. Turn that off. Come on, talk to me. When your television has ungodly images, he tells you, turn that off. You don't need it because the Spirit of God comes and sits right there on your sofa and says, you don't need that. You're like, but I want to watch it. I know your neighbor's not saying amen. I don't care. They're lying. They have corrupt desires in them every now and again. They, I know they're holy and it hardly ever happens. But once in a while on their bad day, there's a corrupt desire in there somewhere. Well, not in Sister Barbara, right? Not in Brother David. Brother David never has any corrupt. Look at him saying no. Look at him. Brother, he, you better watch yourself. The lightning will come straight through that. Well, I just, I know you don't ever have any corrupt desires, but pray for your neighbor. He helps us to restrain. And that's why these excuses that we use, I, I couldn't help it because I was just weak. Friend, that's not, not only is that not correct, but it's not even scripturally correct. The Spirit of God will help you to say no to your corrupt desires. I didn't think that this was one of those messages that would cause you to get excited because we want to believe that it's all on him. But he works with us. So that little by little, you're able to say no. The other day, let me tell you how I know the spirit of God has brought about a change in me. I went to Costco and I bought their cookies, chocolate chip. Have you ever had Costco's chocolate chip cookies? Let me, let me, let me, share, let me give you some revelation right now. Costco... Costco has a devil working in their bakery. Costco has somebody cooking up some ungodly treasures. These things are thick. They're big. They're delicious. I mean, they're incredible. Ask somebody. Go. I'm trying to help you. Go. In fact, brother Rudy, go to Costco. I'll let, I'll let you. I'll let you borrow my card if you need it, and just and just partake of the goodness. But I know the Spirit of God is going to work in me. I testify to this, and this might seem silly to you, but these things are these things are serious to me. 
I know the Spirit of God's done a work in me. You want to know why? Because before the old me, I would have had four or five in one sitting with a big glass of milk. Forget a big glass. I'd sit down with the carton next to me so that I didn't have to get up to get a real. No, I'd, I'd put the milk there, my glass there, and I would just partake. And as my milk got low, I'd fill it up again. Y'all ain't talking to your pastor this morning. I know the Spirit of God is going to work in me because I bought some. I bought some the other day and watched it. And I cooked carne asada and I had my carne. I had my rice and beans with salsa. I walked on the whole bit and I was content. And then I knew what I had waiting for me after the meal. And so there they were. And here your pastor. I knew they were there, but I was full. And so I walked by them on the counter and one of them opened its mouth. And said, come to me. I walked by that box and said, not today. Now, you're thinking, oh, big deal. Oh, but it is. You see, because I'm talking about chocolate chip cookies. But for some of you, it's methamphetamine. It's pornography. It's alcohol. Ungodly things that you cannot say no to that don't honor the Lord your God. So the same grace, the same power to see that cookie in the face and say, you will not have power over me I eat you you don't devour me I say when where how much it's me not you so don't tell me I'm weak pastor I know you are but stop using the weakness as an out to succumb to your corrupt desires he gave us a helper Somebody lift your right hand and say, thank you, Lord, for the helper. All five of you. How many can lift your right hand and say, thank you, Lord, for the helper? Last one. Watch this now. This is incredible. Lastly, the Spirit helps our weakness to bear trials and troubles. I know I, I need you to help me finish strong here because sometimes we don't have the strength to bear the trial or the trouble that we go through. Give me Bible, Romans chapter 5, verse 3 through 5. I chose the ESV. It's word for word, and I love the translation better. Ready? Read like you're alive. We'll finish here. Ready? Read. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces what? Endurance. Keep reading, verse 4. And endurance produces what? Character. And character produces hope, verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through, through, help me about a life, through the Holy Spirit who has been given. So you want to know what else the Holy Spirit does? Helps you to bear up under that trial. It's been the Holy Ghost. It's always been the Holy Ghost to help you endure what you have to endure. And I don't know about anybody else, but I'm grateful because right now I'm going through a trial of my own. 
and I know that I only stand. Your pastor, you see me stand. I've shared this with Sister Marlene. I said the people don't know sometimes what condition I'm in. And I stand there only because his power, his grace fortifies my soul. That even though I'm weak, his strength visits me and the anointing of God literally carries me above the shadow. He stands me on my feet when I don't have the strength to do it on my own and he gets me through it. At the end of the day, I'm not able to take credit for anything. I can only lift my head and even he is the lifter of my head. I can only lift my head unto the hills from where my help comes from. My help cometh from the Lord. The Holy Spirit of God will help you to endure. It will help you to persevere through hell and high water. I don't know about anybody else today, but the theology of weakness is balanced by this. We have hell. Andres Jr., come. We have help. More appropriately said, we have a helper. And I don't know about anybody else. But Pentecostals that accuse the Spirit of God of being relegated to giving goosebumps and speaking in another tongue, you've missed the working of God in such a great way. He is a helper. And I need that help. Stand.